0: uh the other day what, what day would i go down there i want to say i went down there on on wednesday wednesday i went down there sounds about right yeah and and i i drive down to go put up the brand new banner that's out in front they're the home of the podcast for fans by fans they're our official sponsor uh, i'm gonna go down and change out the banner that was out there it's old it's outdated i wanted something that was a little cleaner uh it runs right there along the street on 33rd street right in front of the building right so I plan this out saying I don't want a day that's freezing cold. I've had the banner for like two weeks. It showed up right before Christmas. I, I I don't want it freezing cold and I don't want it raining or snowing. So I look ahead and it's like this day here is going to be about 35, 40 degrees and there's no precipitation. So I drive down there. I'm halfway there. It starts raining. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I love that neighborhood down there too. I love the people down there. Okay. That that's real South side. They're all like watching me like they're key because the place isn't open yet. Like they know I'm coming to change out the banner, right? I've already told them ahead of time. But neighbors are purposefully coming out on their porch to stretch, just to see if I'm vandalizing the front of the building. At
1: <laughs> so they they think that you're you're just down there messing with right. cork and carry at the park. Right, you are messing with their neighborhood bar. You are messing with who's this an guy icon? messing with the cork sign and the socks in the basement
0: sign? Like that's what it was like. And I I mean seriously, some guy walked his dog by me three times. Every time he gave me the stink eye, like what is and this And the guy dog
1: doing? is probably giving you the stink eye too. The Dogs probably looking at you and like, what are you doing with that sign? And can I pee on it? The dog was mad at me too. I could tell. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was,
0: it, I was concerned because they were all looking at me like, what's this guy doing with the sign? What's this guy messing around with the cork? He's not. They're not open right now. What's this guy doing? So wait,
1: wait is, is this is this your your sort of? roundabout way of telling me that all advertisement for Socks in the Basement is just going to feature your face prominently (laughs) to make sure the next time you have to change the banner, nobody stink eyes you?
0: No. No, that's not what it is. I got the thing up. I got it up. It looks nice. I'm happy with it. They're happy with it. Okay, it's out there. It's going to be another another year. There are proud sponsors, 33rd and Princeton. It's the place to be before, during, and after White Sox games. We're going to have a blast out there all year long. Just a great place to go. Great for families. I walk the kids in there before uh, White Sox games all the time and sit down and get them something to eat before I have to go into the crush of the ballpark. Uh, but you'll see us out there, and I'm happy the banner's up. Then I try to go home. And I can't get on the expressway. They've got all of the Ryan blocked off, and I can't figure out why. Now I figure out it's because the vice president oh, was in town. The
1: vice president was in town, yeah.
0: And it's been like, it's been one of those weeks, man. It's been one of those weeks. Everything I'm doing, it's like I'm rushing from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Scott Merkin's on the program today. Like, Scott was great. I I was able to fit him in between a bunch of stuff that I was doing today so we could talk about Andrew Benintendi. And, uh, you know, Andrew Vaughn, he's, he, he sat down with Scott and talked a lot about his expectations for the season, why he's had uh, a bad month at the end of the season the last couple of years so we're going to get into that here in just a little bit we're going to talk with murk uh but he he let me fit him in but i was so discombobulated that right before this show i actually texted Merck thinking i was texting you oh really and i actually texted like it'll be i'll be 10 minutes later because Merck talked a lot <laughs> you wait you sent that to murk <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah it's that kind of a day so so he this laughed. is the last time that scott merkin will be appearing no on this he, thought, program he thinks it's funny Chris he thinks insulted it's funny. him he knows all he does is talk about michigan you know i mean like look we're gonna have all the stuff we talked <laughs> about about the white Sox on this show there's 20 minutes of him yelling about michigan that making the national championship game that i'm not using for the show that was the first 20 right, right minutes yeah. yeah it doesn't quite
1: fit the white Sox aesthetic right. but
0: yeah and, and he lives under this belief that everybody's a michigan fan like right here in the bar is my Illini flag. I'm an alum of the Illini. I don't like Michigan. Okay, we we all have our schools. They're a rival. I know they don't think we're a rival because we never beat them in in football. And you know, but I, like that that's how I feel about them. And he talks to me like everybody's
1: a Michigan fan. Like he, I think he truly believes they're America's team. That's how he acts. So so now, having heard that, this will be the last time Scott Merkin appears on this program. <laughs> All right, here, look, before we get to him, uh, Ben Intendi finally has the,
0: uh, the the press conference. The White Sox are very happy to continue to remind people this is the richest contract in White Sox history, uh, even though that should be embarrassing to them because they they shouldn't be, five years and 75000000 million shouldn't be something that you're like, oh, look at us, we're spending all this money. I mean, that's a lot of professional baseball teams go far and beyond that. But I'm glad that he's on the Most team. Most of them
1: have this, this offseason. In fact, a lot of teams have gone well beyond that for players that are, you know, certainly they're, they're superstar players, but, yeah, it just it boggles me that they're sitting there touting that. What did you
0: think about the backload? Because I saw the actual contract terms, and it's like a $3 million bonus and only $8 million for this season. And that really shows the budget crunch that they're operating under, the self-imposed budget crunch that they're operating under. But then you have to backload the contract, so that's going to also tell you that when some of this money comes off the books from some of these veterans like a Yasmani Grandal and others down the line and some of these bullpen arms that they went and got, that's not all going to be available because some of it's got to go to pay for some of the Benettendi money. So it's it's a it's a big math problem over the next couple of years. He's clearly part of the plans, but for him to be part of the plans, other guys aren't going to be able to be re-signed. Okay? If you're not a core member of this team, you're probably not coming back when your year or two that's left is gone.
1: Well, that's okay, though, because I, I think we've identified a number of guys whose contracts are up that you don't necessarily want back. Grandal is not a guy you're going to want back because he's not going to be a premium catcher anymore. I mean, you could you could have him back, but not at his current salary by any stretch of the imagination. Lauri Garcia is not a guy you're going to re-sign to a big contract. You have guys, though, that, that are not going to be a long-term part of this team in part, too, because... Remember, there are a number of guys on this team that are also getting up there in age. I mean, frankly, Liam Hendricks is an older guy. Lance Lynn's an older guy. You you know, I I mentioned Yaz. Um, You you have money in Johan Moncada that you're really not going to. I don't think there's going to be any effort or desire to re-sign him, even if he turns around and has one good season out of the next two, or you know, even two good seasons. I'm not sure what you're going to do with him. But there's money that's going to come off the books that I'm not worried about Andrew Benintendi's backload too much because I also do think that you factor in inflation a little bit there too, and you factor in the cost of doing business and you factor in more money potentially being made. And again, remember we've talked about the fact that some of this gets tied to things like media ratings. And if the Sox put on a good team and put on a good show and people show up to the ballpark and people are watching on TV or watching on, on, you know, on a regular basis, and they're getting good ratings, uh, You know, th- then a lot of this might be worry for nothing. It's just th- the fact that they're touting a what is probably going to be a very league average contract for a guy of Benintendi's stature as the richest contract in White Sox history, and building up Andrew Benintendi as maybe more of a star than he really is, I think he's going to do really, really well for the Sox. But I'm... I'm not impressed with the idea that he is being crowned as like you know this this star piece that's really bringing everything together. I think he's a glue piece and I think he's an important part of the team going forward the next few years. But, you know, I, I'm okay with the terms of the contract, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's here.
0: Joining me on the phone line right now, our good friend uh, from MLB.com. He covers the White Sox. He's been doing it forever. He's right there, always in the middle of everything. He was sitting there when Andrew Benintendi uh, was introduced and uh, had some great stuff. He's got a newsletter that he puts out regularly. If you don't subscribe to it, I suggest you do. There's all kinds of really interesting tidbits in there. And he joins us here on Sox in the Basement again. Scott Merkin. How are you, Scott?
2: Chris, I'm doing well. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. I, I think, according to Larry David, today might be the last day we can say uh, Happy New Year, right? Is it four days or five days? I think you get until you can stop saying Happy New Year.
0: Yeah, I remember that bit and I completely agreed with him at the time. I, and I still do. It, 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 there's a point where it's over.
2: If I see someone in January I haven't seen for a while, I might say, like, I remember the year I turned 40, people I hadn't seen that whole year, my birthday's in March, that whole year, people I hadn't seen for a while, I'd say to them, hey, you know, uh, I turned 40 this year. We should go. We should go for my birthday. I I went for every free meal I could get that year, even if it was like (laughs) November. I saw people in.
0: (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Never give up a good thing is what I'm saying. You know.
0: That's awesome. All right. So you you see the press conference. Andrew Benintendi uh, comes to the White Sox. It seemed like it took forever. Was there any? I didn't catch the press conference, so uh, you're going to tell me stuff that maybe other people know, but I'm sure there's people listening to Socks in the basement that will know uh, these answers already, and some will not. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, the delay in the press conference, did it have to do with his wrist? Was there a delay in, like, actually doing the physical? Were they waiting for some reason, or was just that's when they could do it?
2: No, from what Rick told us, you know, Rick Hahn was on a Zoom call uh, with their Tuesday night because he was flying back from a family vacation on Wednesday, I believe, so he wasn't at the press conference, but I think it just basically was the constructs of the holidays, you know, that when it happened, it was right before the holidays. I think Andrew was traveling from what Rick said. The offices are closed, you know, from the MLB are closed basically from, I think, that day before Christmas Eve, because Christmas Eve came on a Saturday to this past Tuesday. So I think it was just, you know, he didn't even come in for his physical until Tuesday Came in Tuesday night, passed it fine, and they announced it and you know, and then the the press conference passed with. So I don't think and, and you know, I didn't even put this, it's a good thing that you mentioned it. I'll throw it in my newsletter this week that he talked about his wrist and said his wrist is absolutely fine. He's already hit I don't remember the exact total he said, but I think it's like in double digits already, how many times he's hit this off season. So I think he's ready to go and find seems fine, you know, when he was talking to us yesterday. No issues whatsoever.
0: I think the best thing that came out of the press conference though was the reaction to Aloya uh, Jimenez could play a little right field now because Benintendi's covering left. And I think every White Sox fan said that's like, you know, right, like one or two times this year, like in an emergency, because I think everybody just wants to see him DH. They heard Rick say he was a DH, and and nobody wants to see him injured. They need that bat for as many games as they can get this year,
2: right? Absolutely. But I'll say this, he's what, 20? I should have looked this up before I did the, the, the podcast view, but I think he's 26, is that right now? Maybe 25?
0: yeah he's young. I'm old. I know that.
2: yeah, they're not going to make him an everyday one hundred and fifty game d h at this point Now he will be the primary d h There's no question about it, but I do think he will play some outfield games this year. I don't think you'll see him completely removed from the outfield now, is that total you know four games in left field, one in right or something like that? That's possible, but you know, I don't think he's going to be the regular right matter of fact, I know he's not going to be the regular right fielder, but I do think. He is not a full-time, you know, not not even a thought of being in the outfield. Now, if you have, you know, a Ben Attendee, who's a Gold Glove winner, Luis Robert is a Gold Glove winner, and assuming that if it's not right at the start of the season, at some point early on, it's Oscar Colas, who is a center fielder who'd be playing right field, that's a damn good defensive outfield, right? So, I mean, you're not going to, let's just be honest, Eloy's not a great defensive outfielder, right? And, he, and he's, a, he's a big dude, so... It, it's led to some injuries out there. It's led to him hurting himself, chasing a Sean Murphy fly ball in spring training that was 20 feet above the fence. It led him running into the wall, chasing a Grayson Griner home run against Detroit. It led him colliding with Charlie Tilson in the center in left center on a fly ball conference stadium. So yes, his bat is immensely important. Some people have told me they think, you know if he hits full stride, he could be an offensive force like Jordan Alvarez from the right side of the plate. So, yeah, I don't see him playing 50, 60 games in the outfield. I don't see, I would be surprised, very surprised at the end of the year, you look at his baseball reference or MLB.com stat line, and it says no games in the outfield. I do think he'll play a few out there. And I think that's all Pedro Berfroll was saying yesterday, was that he's talked to him, he's explained the role, he's explained that Ben Attendee is a regular left fielder, he's going to play, if not every day, pretty close to every day. Keep working in the outfield because you may be needed out there and you'll probably get some time out there, but you are RDH. That's that's pretty much the gist of that whole thing, I think.
0: Scott Merkin and every guest here on Socks in the Basement is brought to you proudly by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont, shop, dine, drink, and explore and see all they have to offer and the events that are coming up, like on the 14th, the Forge Fat Tire Bike Racing Tour. See everything they have to offer at lamontdowntown.com. Most White Sox fans, uh, us included here on this show, we keep looking at second base. And I know that they're saying, hey, we've got internal solutions and... I feel like they have to say that, right, Scott? Because if they're sitting around saying we're going out to make a move, it hurts them when they're trying to negotiate a trade. Just like when they say Liam Hendricks isn't available. But trust me, if the right second baseman came along they'd probably consider making the flip and making the move because he's probably one of their best trade chips. That doesn't mean you don't want him on your team. But if you really were going to go out making something impact, he's probably what people are asking for. So how much of it is lip service to not ruin your chance in the negotiation for a trade? And, and how much of it is they really believe this is the team?
2: Well, here's the thing. I'm, I'm a little on the other side on the – like ruining the negotiations because you know like let's say just hypothetically you're doing a trade with the blue jays the blue jays know the Sox have a vacancy or a not a certainty how about that more than a vacancy at second base right so and they know that they may be looking for another catcher too so in that instance i don't think if you know they i don't think they went and read a quote from rick and said oh he says they're fine in second you know i, I think teams know what's going on teams aren't there's very little surprise maybe if you know Rick called and said player X is available, and a team might be like, "Oh, geez, I didn't know he was, you know, available." Okay, let's see what we can put together for him. That might be something. But I think in most part they know what's going on. I think it's just you know Rick and Kenny, when they were the kind of the, the the spokesman of the team, have kind of different styles. Rick is a little more closer to the vest. You know, both really good guys, both humorous dudes, both you know, no baseball. But you know, Kenny, I still remember you know we've talked this a few times because. I've always said this is the angriest the Sox. I haven't always said I've said this the last this is all off season. This is the angriest I've seen the Sox fan base since Sox Fest of 2004.
0: Funny you would mention that because that's probably why they're not having a Sox Fest this
2: year. I, I'm not. I know nothing. I know all I know. That <laughs> is multiple reasons. That's, I'm not guessing anything past that. But you know, in that in that that was the year where the Cubs almost made the World Series. The Sox had like seven free agents, and all of them left. And Kenny and the fans kind of went back and forth. It was very entertaining. You know, and. And, and Rick, I, and, and Rick has done that too. Probably not to be, it hasn't been that heightened because there's been rebuilds and there's been some success in there. And Rick will, you know, Rick will go back at people too, if they, if they challenge myself, but I think Rick, it likes to kind of play it a little closer to the vest. So I think Rick is just saying, honestly, this is what it is right now. And he, to his credit, he said, you know, on that Tuesday zoom that, you know, we, we have faith in Romy, we have faith in Lenny Sosa. You know, Leroy Garcia is now going to be used as a backup across the field. And, you know, we can go with that. He said, but we don't view our roster as complete as it sits right now. I think, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a trade. I don't think it has to even be a big name in terms of the big free agents. I think it could be someone that you're not even thinking of that might, you know, I'll go back to like Jimmy Rollins in 16. Now that didn't work out ultimately, although it, it, it did serve the purpose of that. He played short and, you know, had some, some good moments. Until Tim Anderson was ready to come up and assume his, you know, role which he's taken off and run with now as one of the team leaders, and shows up. And it could be something like that. It could be some February day or early March day where the Sox announced they signed so and so as you know uh, to a minor league deal. You know, like look at, I'll give you a perfect example How about Johnny Quato last year. You know, I mean, no one thought anything about it when they put him on there, and everyone saw his numbers, and he was hurt at the end of the last year, and they're like, even I was like, okay, well, it's not worth. It's not a bad thing taking a flyer, and he was arguably what one of the top three best stories on the team last year. I mean, as consistent as anyone in that rotation, but Dylan Cease, I'd say, right? So I don't think anything is done there yet, but I do think honest to goodness, there's no BS from Rick and that they do trust Romy Gonzalez to play second. They do trust Lenny and Sosa and they have Leary who can back up all over the infield. So I think if opening day, Romy Gonzalez is the starting second baseman. It would not be a surprise. I think if it's another veteran who they end up acquiring, In these, you know, what five weeks leading up to spring training or during the six weeks of spring training, that would not be a surprise either. So I I don't think it's games being played. I think it's just Rick stating kind of matter of fact we here's what's going on right now and you know nothing is set in stone there's still a lot of time left before the first game
0: all right before I let you go I know that you were talking to Andrew Vaughn recently I know a lot of people are curious what's he going to be like
2: him a couple hours before the Michigan semifinal so I kind of blame him for the loss on this one actually <laughs> hey I whatever it, think, whatever I, makes I, you
0: feel okay whatever I gets you through it,
2: it. <laughs> I think he jinxed it no, i okay
1: kidding.
0: but I mean like a lot of people are curious what, what's it going to be like are we going to see him take another step not only because of the fact that it's another season and he's still a young player, but he doesn't have to worry about playing out of position.
2: Remember when he started in the outfield in 21, it wasn't like he played the whole spring training at the outfield. It wasn't like he uh, did it in my, the minor leagues. He did a little bit at the alternate training site during the pandemic year, but literally Aloy hurt himself that last week of spring training, right? Going for that fly ball and left. So he basically learned it on the fly. You know, I mean, he basically worked intensively and extensively that last week and then there he was in the outfield to start, you know, the season. But I, to his credit, he's not looking for any excuses. You know, I asked him about, you know, positives of last year and he said making better contact and making harder contact consistently was something he looked at. And I said shortcomings. And he came out and said, you know, the last his two years in the majors, he has struggled in the last, you know, month to six weeks with stamina. And he without me prompting him said, I know people say, it's oh, he's playing the outfield. He said, that's not the case. He said 162 games is a long time. And remember, this kid has 254 plate appearances of minor league experience before he got to the majors. So it's a pretty amazing story that he's doing. I mean, he led the team at homers and RBIs last year and you know was a very solid offensive presence. But that's his focus. He wants to be ready. You said the goal is to play 162, right? So I don't know if he'll do that, but he wants to be as strong at the end of the year as he is at the beginning. Now, I think, his overall mindset playing a position where he was drafted as, although he really hasn't played much the last two years is going to help him over is going to help him, you know, just not focus a little more, but maybe just subconsciously even be more at ease. But I I like the fact that he said, yeah, I'm making excuses. I'm not saying the outfield tired me out. You know, I think he did the first year a little bit, but understandably, he never played it before, but he said he just wants to be ready to play the full year. And, you know, he's, he knows his big shoes to feel. I, I think, You know, everyone spoke highly of Jose. It would be hard to find people who spoke higher of Jose than Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets, who I talked to a couple times down the stretch, where they basically said, you know, we'll keep working the outfield. We'll do whatever to make sure Jose comes back. It did not happen. And Andrew Vaughn now knows he's now the next link in this unbelievably historic lineage at first base, starting in, you know, 1990, I guess it was, with Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco to Jose. And now it's Andrew's turn. So, He's ready to go. You can tell he's focused, and you know he told me after the first of the year, which is now come and gone, he's going over to Camelback. He lives in Arizona to start working out there, and I think he's ready for spring training and ready to take on the the new responsibility.
0: All right, Scott Merkin covers the White Sox uh, very well, and uh, you know what? I did neglect to get into the Michigan thing, and I don't have time for it, Scott. Honestly, I mean you're just going to get angry.
2: We're, we're on are we're under basketball we're on basketball now anyway, So you're gonna, there get, we go. you're
0: gonna get shouty and angry and and fired up go. and everything like that. And I want to leave this in, in in a happy place. But uh, I I appreciate every time you jump on here. Thanks for the the good information. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
2: Anytime, Chris. Take care and happy new year.
0: Socks in the basement, listeners. Do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from six to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115 year old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. If it isn't the fact he was playing outfield, but it's because... For two seasons in a row, Andrew Vaughn is wiped the last four to six weeks. And that's a conditioning problem. You know, a little bit of that is on the player, but I also have to look at the team and say, what are they doing to make sure he stays on the field and he's ready to go and he's the same as he was, or close to at least what he was at the beginning of the year? What
1: are they doing? Well, and and the answer is not enough. (laughs) Clearly, it's a further indictment of it To, to, to talk about Andrew Vaughn not being in full season condition, and then to sit there and think about pulled muscles, to sit there and think about all the soft tissue injuries that have happened, to think about, uh, you know, the time lost to injury on this team when it's not freak stuff, right? We're not losing the team. Other than Aloy jumping the wall. Okay, that, he hurts himself. But the, you know, the the stuff where guys are, are... Losing time because they're tweaking something because it's just they just don't seem to be stretched out. They don't seem to be in in the right kind of conditioning because they're they're getting a cramp and pulling a muscle and playing through something. And you're not getting hit by pitches. You're not getting a collision or something like that unless you're Danny Mendick. The injury bug that has bitten the socks does feel like a conditioning issue, and so I'm I'm happy to hear that that there's going to be at least some sort of a change or emphasis on it. But I think that also gets back to the overall thing that, that you've, you've heard from Pedro, right, where this idea that he watched a very talented White Sox team sleepwalk through games and you didn't know when you were the Royals if you were getting a motivated White Sox team or, or a not motivated White Sox team, if they were going to come out hot on you and put you away, or if you were going to be able to put them away quickly.
0: We're talking about what we heard about that that the Royals – it may have had the book on the White Sox of so get up on them early, and you could put this team and, away and quickly in a game and watch watch them kind of just like let the air out of themselves, and and then it's over. And if Pedro Grifoll was on that team and part of the preparation, which we keep hearing about, then he knows exactly what he's dealing with and what he needs to change. And that that, that can only be a positive. They have a guy. I mean, he had to come in there at some point. I mean, it sounds like right. even with Ben and they have the second interview, and he and they and they ask him about him, and he goes, well, "Yes, this is who I want." And you know, I mean. That could be a way of saying that Rick Hahn already knew what he was getting and Pedro got on board immediately. But I, I would think that he fits exactly what you're trying to do, and he was in that Royals organization, and he knows him very well, and he knows how he wants to employ him. But to have a manager that's able to identify some of the problems on your team because he was preparing for them and doing the, 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 the pre-series prep for one of your division rivals, one of your division foes, that is a positive. Right, that that is something that we talked about when he was hired, and now we really haven't talked about him a lot because we've been we've
1: been focusing on additions to the team, and and conditioning as much as as focus on the field is a mindset, right? And and yeah, you can talk about additions to the team, and you can talk about the fact that he wanted a player that he obviously liked in Benintendi to be on the team because he knows him, he knows what he's capable of, and you know I, I like the fact that Benintendi was sort of aware and was discussing the fact that he changed his approach in Kauffman Stadium versus what he had been doing in Boston. It was just what we said, right? Didn't we say that?
0: When you look at his numbers, you could tell he's adjusting for where he's playing and how the ball is playing, and and that's a professional hitter. And then he sat there, and he answered the question, and it just fell right in line with how we kind of broke down looking at his last couple of years.
1: Yeah, and again, it gets back to having a good mindset. So sitting here and, and even trying to talk about trades that they could make or filling second base or what do you do with Oscar Colas or, or or any of that stuff, it's all about mindset. And and that gets back to where, you know, you could be excited about the White Sox coming out a little bit because if they do have a better mindset coming out, if the players are held to be more accountable, if you've got guys like Ben Intendi who are going to sit there and say, as a professional hitter, I'm going to be a little bit of a chameleon and I'm going to do what the team needs me to do, and if that carries over to Andrew Vaughn, if that carries over, you know, could we only hope and pray that it carries over to someone like Yohan Moncada who then turns around and tries to make an adjustment to his game that type of stuff is what's going to get this team over the guardians and into the playoffs and is going to allow them the stamina and focus and grit to be able to get further in the playoffs than just getting bombed out of Houston or bombed out of Oakland and you know and that's that all comes together in an important way and it's and it's an interesting thing just to come out of the press conference for the guy who signed the biggest contract in White Sox history. That shouldn't be the biggest contract in White Sox history for very long.
0: <laughs> Listen, uh, the other part of our conversation with Merck and, and it was addressed during that press conference. Cause you know, you get, you get Han in front of guys that want to ask questions. They're going to get to things other than Andrew Benintendi this week when they get a chance to talk to him was second base. And you know, while you might've been disheartened, cause I know my initial reaction was, why are we mentioning Larry Garcia? in the same breath as Gonzalez and and Sosa. But when you listen to what Merck's actually saying, he's not really in the mix to be the second baseman. He's just the bench guy. And I guess that's fine. At least we're not talking about the possibility he has a chance to win second base. It doesn't sound like that's, The mindset right now, we're looking more at the other guys, the younger guys, the talent that's down in the minor leagues. We're not really going to go back to that well again and see if Lurie can figure it out. So I'm fine with that. But, you know, if it is between Gonzalez and it is between Sosa, we recently had on James Fox from Future Sox, and that's what they do. They look at, you know, minor league talent and they know these guys really well. And he not only said it on our show recently, I want to say it was back midway through December But he also did like a big uh, Twitter string where he put a bunch of them together, like breaking down Sosa and why he thinks he should be the guy that the White Sox put there at second base. Basically saying it's a small sample size, what you saw in the majors. But every time he gets to a level as he has a slow start. And then he gets going, and once he gets going, he's the better option over Romy Gonzalez. He'd rather see Gonzalez take over the Garcia role and move all about the infield. In the perfect world, that's what he'd want. So when you sit there and you hear you know, what Merck has to say, Rick Hahn still telling you, I think we can do it internally, but you never know. I mean, they might go out. If you also go off of what Merck's saying, Ed, it, 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 he mentions like well what about the Jimmy Rollins or the Johnny Quato thing it could be like one of these under the radar things I'm not really looking for one of those guys I'd rather let one of the young guys go
1: right yeah i don't love the idea of, of bringing in a, a a you know the desiccated remains of a veteran to try and recapture his youth for one Andrelton and
0: Simmons comes
1: walking in the door right and decides he's going to play second base there's a guy who's defense first who fits kind of that what do you do to overcome the lack of a shift kind of a thing but see? i don't i don't want to see the Andrelton Simmons uh farewell to her I, I don't wanna I don't want to <laughs> see Cesar Hernandez part two um, Elvis andros he's still out well, there I know he's still out there and and look you know to the extent that somebody like Elvis Andrus comes walking in the door and we saw what he's capable of in in, in a small batch last year if he comes walking in the door on a very very team friendly contract okay I you know it, it's not necessarily the end of the world but given the chance to have Lennon Sosa prove it or Romy Gonzalez prove it, I would take that at this point. And I also think, too, that, you know, to the extent that you're talking about filling two holes with rookies in in having Oscar Colas potentially be up here as the right fielder, notwithstanding the whole, you know, Aloy Jimenez playing right as well, and Lennon Sosa or Romy Gonzalez to the extent that he's still kind of a rookie, even though he's had a couple of cups of coffee with the team. I, uh, you can withstand that the more you feel comfortable with the veteran talent around you. And I can take Oscar Cola striking out a lot more with Andrew Benintendi in left field than I could with Gavin Sheets being the other corner outfielder. I can take Lennon Sosa getting off to a slow start if he plays good defense, given what you need out of that position. And given the fact that, you know, with a healthy Tim Anderson and with Andrew Vaughn motivated to get off to a good start. You know, that that you can you can have a good lineup around these guys and let them earn their stripes because I'm also not convinced that Elvis Andrews is what we saw at the end of last year versus some of what he had been towards the end of his stint with the Rangers or while he was with the A's. And so, you know, again, if you're gonna have a guy hit 220 and play solid defense, would you rather be a rookie who still can sit there and go? oh, wait, I get it, I get it now, and then all of a sudden turn into something else? Or would you rather have it Elvis Andrews, who at age 34 is sitting there going, yeah, but this is literally everything I have to put into this right now. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks
2: in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksIntheBasement.com. A spectacular interception that was returned. Both were right at the TCU guys, you know? And then fumbling the handoff at the one without even nothing having to do with the defense. They just dropped the ball. And then uh, the stupid call by Harbaugh on fourth and two for the goal line on the first drive. There's 24 points right there. and you can't beat George Western giving away 24 points, let alone a 12 and one team, you know,